Today's passage is from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 through 30. I apologize for any mispronunciations in advance. <laughs> After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Mayonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazanon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, and are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can, stand, can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them, and they did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All of the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge of the des desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord See the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, and got the God of Israel with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in your Lord God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. 
When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked up, looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing, and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the Valley of Barakah to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to, Jer to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. The kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for God, for his God had given him rest on every side. This is the word of God. Let's give Jamie a hand. The Lord was with you as you're pronouncing all those names. Um, you know, at 1030, Pastor John uh, pronounced all those names right. But the one word he got wrong was annihilate. He said annihilate, And we were like, okay. <laughs> hello, hello. For those of you uh, who don't know me, my name is Christine. And I am Hackensack's worship pastor. Uh, you may see me leading praise in the front here, but today I'm excited. Uh, I was excited not to lead praise because they did such a great job, right? Can, I, can we give the praise team a hand? Can we give Johnny, our elder, a hand? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm excited to do what we are called to do, that we are all called to do today, and that is to preach the good news. Before we begin, let us pray. Jesus, at this time, we take our eyes off ourselves and we place it on you. We take our eyes off our circumstances, whatever we're going through, and we place them on you. And God, we pray that the word, that your word will cut through our hearts and that it will sink deep so that we will be able to live in truth day after day. So be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, as many of you know or may not know, after four years of seminary, I finally graduated this past May. Woo! Before I applied to seminary, uh, God addressed a very big need in my life that he wanted access to. He wanted access because there was a hole in my soul uh, that desperately needed filling. And the only thing that could have filled it, in retrospect, was the love of God the Father. So the next four years of, seminary, of my seminary career was just that. A time to unlearn what I thought love was and the time to learn what love really is. And he did that by placing significant figures in my life apart from my parents to love me despite my failures. He didn't judge me, to guide me. Mentor me, empower me, and pray for me. But in my last year of seminary, uh, which was this past year, things were coming to an end that respectively included everything and everyone I was blessed by at school. And I remember thinking, uh, if I should stay for one more year, because it was comfortable. 
and it was great there. But at one point, I realized that I learned a lot, but I just wasn't applying it well. It felt like God was reminding me that the way to really know the Father's heart was Jesus and not through whatever else I was relying on, which at that point was seminary. It was time to stop going to things that only reminded me of the love of the Father and go to the actual source. So for the first three years of seminary, God wanted me to know him as my father and that I'm deeply loved and cared for. Um, But for the last, he wanted me to know him as also my Lord, the one who I have to fully and more deeply submit to and the one who is in control whether I liked it or not. It was time to go deeper in faith. Now, there are a lot of us here today who desperately need to know the love of the Father. But there are also many more that also need to know God as Lord. Maybe you have been feeling stuck and have desperately been needing God to intervene, but you haven't seen anything yet. And to those of you, I want to ask, what have you been resorting to? And I don't ask you this to make you feel guilty, but because I feel like God wants to be the Lord of you and our church and wants to take us all deeper in faith and teach us how to do so. But it has to start with knowing that he is in control and that we are not. Knowing God as Lord is boldly trusting that he knows and that he is. And letting God be our first resort rather than letting him be our last. Now, I love the Old Testament, so I'm going to be taking us through the Old Testament today. Uh, Actually, Jamie already took us through a lot of it and um, for this series. And for our series, which is called Church and the Kingdom, all the pastors um, who will be preaching in this series, we picked a kingdom value. And as you have guessed or not, today's value, um, kingdom value, will be lordship. So if you can just imagine and go back with me to the time of the Israelites, let me take you back to when God first reveals his name as Lord. I feel like this is my fifth sermon out of the six, seven I gave here mentioning Moses. But um, yeah, so God first reveals his name as Lord to Moses. The name Lord, or in Hebrew Adonai, or commonly known as Yahweh, means I am. Giving this name is God giving himself as a promise to his people. And he tells Moses that there will be deliverance from slavery and guidance to the land he promised them because he is who he is and what he says goes. He says to Moses, trust me because I am the Lord. And then he continues to be with his people because the Lord is faithful to his promises. Notice That I didn't say that he's faithful to his people, but he is faithful to his promises to his people. The Lord is faithful to his word, and that's why we trust in his word and not in ourselves and not in our feelings. Amen. Fast forward, he takes his people across the Red Sea away from the enemy, and he delivers on the exodus. The Israelites praise the Lord uh, for literally one whole chapter. They're like, praise you, Lord. Uh, Who is like you? Uh, You are amazing. You are awesome. You're great. Great are you, Lord. And then suddenly, two months later, the Israelites start to grumble 
question, and they end up disobeying. Only two months after witnessing one of the greatest miracles. This cycle continues to happen. The Lord still provides. The Israelites praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And then when they don't see anything happening from the Lord, what, in whatever way they want it to happen, they grumble, question, and disobey again and again. This is the cycle. My favorite moment is when Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and he's talking to God. And he's talking to the Lord because um, the Lord wanted to give him instructions on how they can live in alignment with the Lord because that's what gives them life. Um, but the people end up resorting to building a golden calf to worship because the Lord and Moses was just taking too long. And it was only 40 days. Can I just say that we too like the Israelites, easily resort to doing for ourselves what we think is best. At that point, we have become our own God. And we then miss the opportunity to see God come through as Lord in our lives. Let me say that again. We miss the opportunity to see God come through as Lord in our lives. And when we do that, we compromise a miracle for a temporary solution. Now we can sit here and say, yeah, I do that. I fail all the time. We can acknowledge it or not. But a bigger disservice to ourselves and to our churches is, if, is when we don't take um, it as an opportunity to change. Yes, we can fail. Yes, God still loves us. Yes, there's grace. Yes, we're forgiven. But sons and daughters of the Lord... We're not called to stay in the same cycle and stay stuck. We're called to rise above. Our passage today is about one of those kings in the Bible that have chosen against his cycle and chose to rise above. He chose to look to the Lord. So go back to the story with me, back to Israel. Uh, when, when we look at today's passage, we're already in the promised land. So God had delivered on his promise, like always, and they, they are in the promised land. And we see King Jehoshaphat, who came from the line of King David and King Solomon. King Jehoshaphat. Uh, if this name is hard to remember, let's just remember our very own Pastor Jehoshua. Um, and just add fat to the end of his name. Um, Jehoshua Fat. Jehoshua fat. <laughs> Sorry, I just like bothering you. Anyway, King Jehoshaphat. Now, two chapters before today's passage, we see King Jehoshaphat make a mistake. At this point, uh, just a brief history lesson, Israel had split up into two kingdoms, right? To the north and to the south. The kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And uh, the kingdoms are split up because it was due to the people's continual failure. Now, King Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, and he was a good king. The Lord honored him, but he ends up getting connected to King Ahab, who is the king of Israel, who is a wicked king that promoted the worship of Baal. And that's why he was wicked. So Ahab asked Jehoshaphat uh, to join an allegiance with him in war, and he asks him to defeat his enemies with him. 
And Jehoshaphat agrees to go into into the war with Ahab, although the prophet of the Lord tells him not to. Because you're not allowed to join an alliance with allegiance with a foreign king, especially ones that are wicked. But Jehoshaphat does that. At this point, he had chosen to rely on human alliance to defeat his enemies other than God. This is the cycle. After this incident, it happens again, which is in our passage. King Jehoshaphat gets news that the enemies wanted to wage war with him. Familiar situation, right? But this time around, it's not just one enemy, but it's three. The next word that describes Jehoshaphat is the word alarmed. At this point, Jehoshaphat is scared because it's not just one enemy, it's three. And we can only imagine what's running in his head, what fear is telling him. Why is this happening? What should I do? Should I join hands with um, a different king? Should I, what should I do to defeat these three enemies? God allows crisis and conflict in our life and in our lives to trigger something like this in us. Where we feel like we have no control and we start to fear and get anxious. But he does this not to show us that we're doing something wrong, but he shows us to give us another opportunity to let him be Lord. He wants to come through. So he lets it happen. This is grace. Jehoshaphat at this point has two choices. To go back to what he knows, which is to rely on human alliance for help, the cycle, or Ask the Lord for help and trust that he will come through. Probably after much wrestling and thought, he resolves to rise above and to beat the cycle. He chooses to look to the Lord at this time because he knows that he made a mistake before. And he says, okay, let me try this. I'm going to choose to look to the Lord. And he calls the people of Judah to come together and seek help from the Lord. He calls a fast, he gets on his knees, and he prays. Now I want to take a quick look at his prayer because I think we can learn a lot um, from how Jehoshaphat prayed during his crisis moment. And he prays one of the most honest prayers, a lament. Now we're going to go to verse 6 very quick. Um, Verse 6 to verse 12. We're not going to read through the whole thing, but very quick. We know it's a lament because it has the characteristics of a lament. One, he protests to God. God, aren't you who you said you were? Aren't you the God of our ancestors? Aren't you the Lord, the great I am? Then he reminds God of past provision. He protests, and then he reminds God of his provision. And he says, you delivered us from the land, um, from the land of Egypt into the promised land. Do you remember doing that? And he then petitions to God by telling him what he wants. Oh God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And finally, he ends with praise. He says, we do not know what to do but our eyes are on you because you are Lord. This whole lament 
looks to God as Lord. After he had prayed this prayer, uh, let's imagine what the waiting period was like for the people of Judah to hear from God. Just waiting and waiting to hear from God. Jehoshaphat must have been on his knees just praying, God, please come through. You need to come through. I'm giving you all the control because you said you are in control. So you need to come through because I don't know what to do. And I put my eyes on you. So you have to come through. Now, this is where a lot of us give up. Because we can't bear to wait. And our faith level starts to go to doubt and then to disbelief. But 1 p.m., I want to encourage you today. We need to invest in this waiting time. We need to invest in the process other than what the destination should be. We are not to play God and make our own outcomes because we end up just setting ourselves up for disappointment if it doesn't happen the way we want it to. If he tells you to wait, you're going to have to trust and wait that he's telling you to wait because it's going to be good. Because he's a good father and he's a good Lord. He knows what he's doing and he's in control. So even in the waiting period, the people of Judah have another choice. Are they going to keep waiting and trust in the Lord? Or are they going to go back to what they know? Before, we've seen the Israelites go back to what they know. But the people of Judah, they choose to wait and wait and wait again. And as they're waiting, I'm sure there's so much turmoil. Is God going to answer us or not? Does he even see us right now? But despite all the turmoil, they, cho- they continue to choose. And then finally, finally, they get word from the Lord. Finally. And the Lord says to them, this is not your battle. This is mine. Do not be afraid, which is actually the most repeated commandment in the Bible. He says, do not be afraid and watch what I'm going to do. Go out to the war and I'll be there. As soon as Jehoshaphat and his people hear this, they're so relieved and they're so overjoyed that they receive word from the Lord that their weary bodies fall to the ground and they just start to worship. And that's what worship is. When we let God be God and we give in to him. So Jehoshaphat sends out his army the next day to war with the strongest soldiers in the front, the worshipers. I know it sounds funny, but I'm telling you, worshiping and praising is one of our strongest weapons. Don't forget to use them. Use it when you're going through crisis. And they had the army singing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they begin to sing in praise, the Lord intervenes, sends an ambush, and the enemies start killing each other in front of their very eyes until the last one of them dies. The people of Judah never lifted a finger. What they did lift, though, were all the valuable equipment, clothing, and other articles that the enemies were carrying. It was so much that it took them three full days to pick them up. 
God just didn't, didn't just come through with another miracle. He gave them so much more. When we know that the Lord knows what he's doing and that he's in control and that his will is good and perfect and we let him be himself, I can attest to you that you can find a deep peace and a deep joy that the people of Judah must have felt, whatever the circumstance may be. But as Jehoshaphat did, we are to choose against the cycle. It's just one choice. Uh, recently on Facebook, uh, Pastor Key started asking for Korean drama recommendations. Um, I know it's weird. I was like, you can't even speak Korean that well. But just kidding. You can watch it even if you can't speak Korean that well. But anyway, there was one uh, drama that was recommended a lot. Um, and I kind of don't want to give you the title because I don't want to ruin it just in case you watch it. But actually, I don't think anyone's going to watch it. So it's called Prison Playbook, right? So I watched this, and there's this one character in that drama, um, and he's a drug addict. So, and he gets arrested, and he goes to jail for having possession of drugs. Um, and in jail, he's not allowed to use, um, he's not allowed to do drugs, right? And then he has this lover, right, who comes and visits him, and he says, I will wait for you to come out of jail, <laughs> And I want to get back with you, but you need to stop doing drugs. And this guy is like, all right, I'm so willing. I'm not going to do drugs. And he doesn't do drugs the whole term of his prison life. Now, it cuts to a scene at the end um, where he comes out of prison. And guess who's waiting for him outside the prison? His drug dealer. And his drug dealer takes him to his car, and his drug dealer hands him a drug. And the people who are so invested into this character's um, story is like, no, don't do it. No, we know he's not going to do it because, you know, he wants to get back with his lover, and he wants to stop, and he wants to give it up. And we're, like, cheering him out. We're like, yeah, get back together with him. Don't take the drug. Uh, well, he takes the drug. I just ruined it for you. But he takes the drug. When we rely on our own willpower, even our own morals, to break the cycle, and not God himself, we will go back into the cycle. So I ask you once again, 1 p.m., what have you been resorting to? And I'm in this with you. During the last year of seminary, um, when God called me to, to just fully submit, and I thought I'd been submitting, but he was like, no, nah, you weren't. So I, when he was calling me to fully submit and break my cycle of um, wanting to take control of things, um, he taught me, taught me a lot to let go. Um, and I'm still in the process. And as I let go... Um, he taught me one thing, which was that I want to share with you, that one indicator where we know that we are almost going to go into a cycle is, is anxiety. And I know a lot of us have anxiety. And whenever we have anxiety, we want to take back control. Uh, so when we get anxious, 
Um, we can't look at anxiety as a negative thing, but let's look at anxiety as um, an indicator, an indicator that we're not in alignment with the Lord, that we're not in step with the Lord and to go back to him. And there were a lot of times where I would get anxious because I don't know where my, where my life is going to go. But God continued to tell me to let go. And um, my school, they kicked me out of my dorm early, two months early, so I had nowhere to go. Um, and he provided me with a home. And I'm living in Jersey now. Woo! It's time to make God our first resort and not our last. And I just want to close our eyes today. And I'm just going to ask the praise team to play over us. I feel like there are pockets of people here that God wants to give word to. Okay? So I'm going to ask the praise team to play over, play over us. So Holy Spirit, we wait for you. What do you want to say or do right now? if any of this has resonated with you and you are in the specific battle of God asking you to let go and break the cycle and trust that he is Lord but it's been very hard too, been very scary too, uh, I know I know what that feels like for you I feel like I see a tug of war battle you on one side, God on the other. And I feel like you're just getting tired because you keep fighting, God. But I feel God saying, son or daughter, why are you on the other side? I'm for you and not against you. When you stop fighting me, when you let go of the rope, and when you lose to me, you're actually winning because you're coming over to my side. So for you, I want to encourage you to let go. Let go of that rope. And go rest at his side. Like I said, I know how hard it is. Um, and if this resonates with you, come talk to me or uh, come message me. And I'll recommend a book to you that was recommended to me to help me with this. I actually didn't offer that to the other services. So, <laughs> For those of you who have, let, who have let go already and is in the battle of just waiting. 
waiting to see change and waiting for God to come through. I feel like God is just saying, can you choose me again today? So Lord, for these people, I just pray for um, fresh strength, a fresh filling of your spirit so that we will be able to choose you again and choose to wait again and again. And he's saying, trust me. And as for you, as for those who have seen victory recently, I need you to praise like you have never had before. And just remember, remember the journey God has taken you to get to this place. And receive all the blessings that he has for you. As for our church as New Mercy, I feel like we haven't reached the battleground yet. And it's not to say that we're any less or that we're failing, but we're just in the process and we're growing. And as one church, we do need to press in and we need to press through and we need to choose to look to God as our Lord, as the one who knows best. Or else this place just becomes a place where people gathered and we won't even know if the Holy Spirit left or not. So, Father, I pray that together as one community that we will go deeper in faith together. I pray that we would stop Actually, we pray and repent for making you our last resort. We want to make you our first. of Judah did, uh, let us rise and let us just worship. Let us look look to how great our Lord is. No matter where you are, no matter what season you're in, as our sister Liz has shared, let's just worship. Great. 
will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Let us sing all the earth. And all the earth will shout your praise. And hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you. will cry, these bones will sing, great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out So, Lord, uh, whatever we may be feeling, whatever lies we might be sitting in, whatever our circumstance might be telling us, we just speak to those things and we say that you, Lord, are greater. I just want to pray over one specific thing uh, that I feel like God is bringing up. Father, I just pray over the people um, who are sitting in depression.
So we call up the spirit of depression and we say that you have no power here in the name of Jesus. And we proclaim that the Lord is greater and that victory will come. Victory will come if that resonates with you, if you, that resonates with those of you who are in depression and even have suicidal thoughts, I feel like I'm getting that, that victory will come. You need to choose. You need to choose to trust that the Lord is good. So, Lord, I pray for perspective shifts to take place and take hold of our minds. Remind us each and every day of what you've done in the past, in your word, and even in our own lives. just want to bless 1 p.m. with the fullness of the love of the Father, of the Holy Spirit, and the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray.